Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies throughout California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families of cattle country. Do you remember lockdown, lockdown, that lonesome road hang down your head and cry? Lonesome road, and that phrase, hang down your head and cry, I think applies especially to any person whose carelessness with a fire in the forest results in the destruction of vitally needed timber and valuable watershed lands. Certainly no road is more lonesome and desolate than a road through a burned-over, blackened, and ugly forest. This is from Wikipedia. Smokey Bear, and I always thought it was Smokey the Bear, is an American campaign and advertising icon of the U.S. Forest Service in the Wildfire Prevention Campaign, which is the longest-running public service announcement campaign in United States history. Educate the public about the dangers of unplanned human-caused wildfires. Now, the concept was developed in 1944 prior to the actual living bear found at a tree in the Capitan Gap Fire in New Mexico in 1950. The U.S. Forest Service didn't only want to address careless citizens, but there was also a fear that Japan would use wildfire as a weapon during the Second World War. Now, here's another bit of history also from Wikipedia. The attack on Elwood. Following the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, seven Japanese submarines patrolled the American West Coast. They sank two merchant ships and damaged six more, skirmishing twice with the U.S. Navy. By the end of December, the submarines had all returned to friendly waters to resupply. The Japanese government, concerned about President Roosevelt's radio speech scheduled for February 23, 1942, ordered a Japanese submarine to shell California coast that day. Around 7 p.m. on February 23, the I-17 came to a stop opposite the Elwood Field in the Gaviota Coast. The captain ordered the deck gun ready for action. Its crew took aim at Richfield Aviation Fuel Tank just beyond the beach and opened fire about 15 minutes later, with the first rounds landing near a storage facility. The oil field's workmen had mostly left for the day, but a skeleton crew on duty heard the rounds hit. They took it to be an internal explosion until one man spotted the I-17 off the coast. Now, little damage was done. Firing a deck gun from sea in 1942 doesn't do much for accuracy. Now, nonetheless, citizens were concerned. In fact, the next day, the Battle of Los Angeles occurred, where in February of 1942, just three months after the U.S. entered World War II, the U.S. military engaged in an anti-aircraft barrage against an imagined foe. I think it ended up being a weather balloon or something. In this episode, we speak with California rancher and deputy fire chief for the Santa Barbara Fire Department, Anthony Stornetta about increasing, in fact, historical fire behavior and what could be done to mitigate it. Anthony was instrumental in developing this series by linking me with ranchers in California affected by fire. You'll hear more from them in the coming weeks. Anthony's a busy guy, so we recorded this interview via phone while he was in his truck driving. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How about you? Uh, pretty good. Let my me... name's Anthony Stornetta, and my professional career is I'm a deputy fire chief of operations for Santa Barbara County Fire Department, which covers about 3,200 square miles in Santa Barbara County. Uh, on the backside is uh, I'm a cow-calf 
uh, rancher in uh, San Luis Obispo County. In your experience, you've been doing this a long time, firefighting for a long time, well, probably both for a long time. Would you say or characterize like fire behavior? And I, what I've read is that basically some of the most devastating fires of our of California's history have happened in the last five years. Is that is that something that you would agree with? I would agree with. Correct. Yeah. And then what I, what factors play into that? I would say that there's a few factors. I've been in the fire service for 31 years and you know, there was always some fires we thought were big fires, and there for a while, there was one here in Santa Barbara County called the Zaca Fire that was 200,000 acres, and for many, many years, that was the largest fire uh, in California, but now when you're looking at million-acre fires, um, in the last five years, and like you mentioned, some of the top fires in all of California fire history, and I think there's some things that, that kind of added up to that, and I think a lot of those are a lack of fire prevention, a lack of fire mitigation, fuel treatment uh, in the realm of prescribed grazing, prescribed fire, and just trying to work the CEQA process and get vegetation treatment and just clear forests. Those are all contributing factors that have made, you know, fire so much larger than they used to be. I was reading that. I mean, there's there's fires that are, um, you know, uh, fuel dominated and wind dominated. I think you guys or just here in this area kind of have the, you know, not the best of both worlds, but um, experience both of those things. I was reading about specifically, and I think you were on the fire was that the, the Sonoma complex fire and it, it raced downhill. Can you talk a little bit just about fire behavior and how, I mean, that's, that seems extraordinary to me. Yeah. And there's three major factors for, you know, what drives fire and fire behavior. Uh, it's fuel slope and wind. So the fuels, you know, what's on the ground? Are they decadent fuels? Are they recent fuels or, or young age fuels, which means there's been recent fires. But a lot of these areas that we haven't had fires, there's no fire history. And, and Sonoma is a good example of a few things. You have decadent fuel beds that haven't burned in a long time. Uh, lots of mountains, slopes, valleys that carry a lot of wind. Um, and call it climate whatever you want to call it, but there's been changing in patterns of our, our weather patterns where we're getting longer, drier summers. And then to couple on top of all that, like the Sonoma is, you know, we are against a drought that had been lasting for about eight years. And, and it just, the factors just keep building and building and building. And when you have all those three together, it's called alignment. And once you get alignment, there's nothing that's going to stop a fire that's burning with the, the winds, the slope, the fuel beds. And, for Sonoma particularly, same thing as the campfire in paradise is when you have a very combustible fuel, homes amongst some wildland urban interface of all the brush, it makes it even that much more difficult to stop. I mean, those those homes are burning with, you know, conductive, convective, and radiant heat just burning to one to the other, and no aircraft or retardant drops or fire engines are even going to be able to get in even close to that to stop it so you have to find a place to make a defensive stop and sometimes that's a little ways away from where the actual fire is burning unfortunately and you have to give up a little to gain at that point and it's unfortunate you have to do that but there's just no other way to stop stop those fires when there's that much alignment we've talked already about i talked to dave daly we talk about the wooey the wildline urban interface uh there's obviously a lot more buildings being affected opposed to just uh, wildlands being burned 
you know, just to add on real quick about yeah, the please. Sonoma too, on that one, because our, our fires used to always be called wildland fires because they were out in the wide open and, and they started and would go out in the wildland. Well, with these fires, we're with the population growing and the population density moving into the WUI, like we mentioned earlier, the number one concern for personnel and, and emergency services is to evacuate and get people out of there because now we're in the urban areas and they're densely populated. So the number one priority is no longer fire extinguishment, it's rescue and life safety to get those people out of there uh, into safety. And then the firefighting effort comes in behind that. So there's some conflicting priorities now that we're in the urban area. One thing I was curious about is when, when there's a, a, a large fire, like the Sonoma Complex fire or any of the other large ones, what w tools do you have to your dis for your d disposal? Like, what are you able to do to attack those fires? During the daytime, we have aircraft, which we can put up. Uh, if it's pretty substantial winds, that usually grounds the aircraft uh, because of the turbulent winds. For the most part, they can fly the rotary wing like your helicopters. It'll definitely ground those, but fixed wing, there is little bit larger parameters to keep those going uh, but yeah, like dozers fire engines and crews uh, those can all get in there but when flame links get so great uh, those ground resources really can't do anything and that's where you kind of got to pull back a little and find out where you can grab you know an anchor point and start going uh, indirect and trying to fight the fire indirect instead of right on the fire line where that's where most of firefighting it's usually successful is going direct right against where it's burning. Uh, so you can kind of corral it, guide it in a certain direction. But with flame lengths being what they are in those areas and the amount of ETUs coming off it, you really can't put firefighters on the ground for something like that. Often in these in, like instances, there's, you know, state of emergency declared um, from your experience, because I know you're kind of, you know, you're managing stuff out there. Is, is it an immediately helpful thing or is it kind of just talk or... A little bit of both. The state of emergency really, really helps because number one, first, it doesn't help us that day. There are some things that help us and some other things in the long run that really help. So once you get a, a local declaration, which usually comes first, and then the governor approves a state declaration, that opens the floodgates for funding for people that lose stuff, uh, for emergency funding for those residents that are displaced to find uh, secondary residents or hotels, it gives them a little bit of money to work with and it opens up some other coffers for repair and in return rehabilitation of that area. But for the emergency crews on scene, a declaration, it gives a lot of resources and it helps pay for those resources. So having Cal OES come in, have law enforcement come in to help with evacuations and that little area there, whoever's compromised, their resources are tapped out the public safety resources so it opens again a door through the governor's office to start pulling in resources from all throughout the state of california an example for the dixie fire being so large we had resources there from new jersey new york tennessee texas new mexico idaho and those are just the ones i saw so it opens it up for nationwide resources because that's just one fire in the, in the state of California, just think if Sonoma was going the same time and we had Dixie, uh, the amount of equipment needed to, to fight those fires. So to answer your question in a lengthy way is, yeah, that declaration really, really helps out. I was talking to Billy, obviously, about uh, contacting you and stuff. And basically, he, he told me to leave you alone, which I think <laughs> I, you're, you're um, I know you're busy right now, but it's weird to me because it's not exactly like fire season. What What are you busy with right now? 
you know, I'm just speaking for our department, but across the state as a whole, there's so much legislation that was pushed to start building up these firefighting resources. And there was a lot of funding through prevention and mitigation. So a lot of the departments across the state in Cal Fire are, are starting to build hand crews. We doubled our hand crews from two to four. Uh, we put an additional helicopter, a Black Hawk helicopter in service. So with all that extra funding, we're all building, you know, our firefighting resources to meet the need. You know, for about eight years, we're in a drought. So with all those fires, we have to be better prepared. And I would say we're learning from our mistakes and that's preparation. And I would say on that same side, we're spending a lot of time right now with mitigation and prevention. And what I mean by that is vegetation treatment, vegetation management, uh, there was a, a lot of funding uh, put towards everyone. So that's where the hand crews are going out and you know cutting fuel breaks and fire breaks. Our dozers are out there doing work. We also have, and this is many counties, not just Santa Barbara County, is you know grazing, prescribed and focused grazing. So there's a lot of people right now this time of year that that's our time to get stuff done. Prescribed fire is a big one. We're working on four different ranches we want to do some burning on. This is the time of year we get all that completed because, you know, we have to go through the CEQA process and we have to put prescribed fire burn plans together. So right now when all that's getting done, we're prepping for springtime when we can actually start burning and, and start working on stuff. So it's all that preparation phase right now this time of year. Uh, would you say that your experience as just both, of you know, working in firefighting and being a rancher has informed, do you do your ranching practices differently because of what you've learned over this time? I'd say a little bit, yeah. Um, and, and we do vegetation treatment on our place as well, where we do some prescribed fire. Uh, and so that means we're grazing differently because when we're in there burning, we allow, allow the ground to rest a little while and then bring them back in to graze. So there are some targeted grazing. I think there's quite a few ranches that do stuff like that. I think where we see some problems is once the like the forest lands and things like that is I know there's some members on the fire subcommittee that they're up in the forest area or near forest and abut allotments. Well, with no prescribed grazing going on, you know, that, that those fires just move right onto their properties, whereas their properties, they're doing mitigation and fuel treatment. It's pretty hard to make a stand when your neighbor's not doing anything. And that, that's the forest service. They're trying to do stuff. I know there's a lot of roadblocks and a lot of CEQA stuff and special, especially environmental groups uh, pushing back. So it makes it difficult, but it's hard for you to do something personally as a rancher when your your counterparts that abut you as well aren't taking the same actions. So I have a, in front of me here just a list of, it's from B, PBS. It's the causes of the top 20 most destructive California wildfires. And the first one, of course, is power lines, which is obviously a, a big problem and something that we can't control. But if you were to, t you know, the second one, and not including arson, but the second one is human related. If you were to give advice to people, I think people are kind of, they're not necessarily, they don't take fire seriously all the time, like how it moves, how it works. Um, and things like that. If you were to make like a PSA for people, what would you tell them? If I'm making that PSA to our, our fellow producers, probably what I would say, and I'm a culprit as well, and I've done it and started a fire. So, I mean, a lot of times we want to get our mowing done and we're out there mowing or, or welding. Uh, I would say for our area, it, it's usually doing that welding and doing that mowing when, you know, probably it's not the right conditions. Uh, Around here, all mowing, I stopped by 10 o'clock during the summertime. I pushed that one day and started a fire. And then I, I think that's probably that and welding 
are usually the ones we usually go on the most. And again, these are accidental fires. It's not arson. But if I had to pass on a message, it'd be like, just be cognizant of what's going on around you. You know, have some preventive measures or fire watch or standby area if you're doing those kind of things. And for just for normal citizens too, I normal like I, I read that uh, they can take fingerprints off cigarette butts. So if you're flicking cigarettes out of the window, it could come back to you, you know, because I think a lot of people do that and don't and, think twice. And I don't know how you'd message it, but, you know, there's a lot of common sense that goes out the window. Uh, people leaving campfires open or fireworks. It's just a lot of common sense that people are out driving in tall grass and, and things like that. They don't realize it, but, you know, that conductive heat on their exhaust can start a fire pretty easily. And I think it surprises people sometimes. So, you know, that's something else. And, and I would say that's our fellow producers. That's more, you know, the public. Because uh, they're now, I would think producers have a great idea of, you know, what's appropriate, what's not. But when you get the public out in the open areas, not so much. I want to thank you for uh, agreeing to do this. I know you're incredibly busy, and I'm sure I'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. If you have any questions or anything, just feel free to shoot me an email or call. All right. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Ryan. As always, feedback is greatly appreciated. After this series on fire, we're going to shift to the subject of predators. We have other themes penciled in for the year, but there's something you want to hear or take a deeper look at, you can email me directly at ryanatcalcattle.org. Thank you for listening. Listen to smoke before you give it a try. Only you. Don't play with matches. Don't play with fire. Don't play with fire. Only you can prevent wildfires.